Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. So tonight I'm going to preach one of my best sermons I've preached all year. For you that are here, I'm going to give you my very best tonight. It may not be your best, but it's going to be my best. It'll be my best that I've preached all year because I believe with all my heart that God has given me a now word for this congregation tonight. I believe that. I believe that. I told you we was going to start a series on the performance of the Lord. And we're starting that series tonight. We're going to, we're going to go forward next Wednesday night and then the next Wednesday night. In fact, next Wednesday night we're going to do the late show. We're going to call it the late show. It's better than Letterman and Leno. And then the week after that, we're going to call the ultimate performance. And some of you already think you know what the ultimate performance is, but you don't know. You really don't know what the ultimate performance is. But I'm going to share it with you next week or two weeks from now. But I believe with all my heart that God has given me three words to give to this congregation the next three weeks. Haven't read them, haven't looked them up. I just felt a word in the wind from the Lord, and I want to preach to you tonight. That's just the way I feel. I want to give you something tonight from my heart. Amen. Now, as you're standing, I want you to turn somebody and say, Pastor, preach to me. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Let the word turn me around. Let me go in the direction that God desires. Preach the word. Amen. Tonight, our very first message that we're going to talk about, and we're going to let you out early so you can go to the mall when church is over. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a, a stingy pastor or a, a grumpy pastor. We're going to let you go. But I want to preach to you. I want your undivided attention. If you need a drink of water, it can wait for 35 minutes. If you need to potty, I'm sorry. Just wait. Because I don't want a lot of running in and out. I want you to hear the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. I want to preach tonight. I want to preach tonight on the reluctant performance. The reluctant performance. Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 41 through 45, it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Hallelujah. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Verse 45, and blessed is she that believed. In other words, Mary, blessed are you because you believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. My subject tonight is the reluctant performance. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the preacher. And you may be seated. God bless you. Let's preach a little bit tonight. 
In Luke 1, when Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel, and after all his wonderful words to her, like, Hail, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. She was troubled. She wondered in her mind what manner of greetings or salutations this was. And the angel said, Fear not, for you found favor with God. And you shall conceive in your womb and bring a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. He will be great. He will be the son of the highest. He'll have a throne of his father David and reign over the house of Jacob forever, and there will never be an end to his kingdom. And she was concerned about one thing in particular, and she asked it. She said, how can this be seeing I don't know a man? I am a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Ghost shall come on you. The power of the high shall overshadow you, and you will have the Son of God. Even without a man in the picture, the Holy Ghost did a work in her life. Even without what it took to have a child, the Holy Ghost did a work in her life. Then Elizabeth, at Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth says to her, And blessed are you that believed, for there shall be a performance. Everybody say performance. Of those things which were told you from the Lord. I spoke last Sunday morning very briefly that Jesus gave us five things in his pre-ministry. He taught us how to operate in wilderness living. He taught us how to say no to the devil. He taught us the blessing of stepping into the waters of baptism even when he did not have any sin in his life. Yet he became a sacrifice and became given to a man named John the Baptist to be baptized. He showed us that there was not a question that he couldn't answer, even at the age of 12 years old in the temple. He gave, he gave understanding to us that when we come into his presence, we need to bring something in our hands to edify him. We need to bring him gifts. We don't need to bring him a bad attitude. We need to bring him something worthy, something glorious that we can give him. And I went backwards today because his birth, he gave us on the day he was born, he gave us a, everybody say this day. day. He gave us a this day. And he gave us an is born. Not was born, but is born. Is born, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. So we're going to do a three-part series beginning tonight. The reluctant performance is tonight, next week the late show. And then two weeks from now, the ultimate performance. Everybody... In the synoptic gospels saw Jesus from a different angle. And even people in the audience that I preach to tonight see the Lord in a different angle. We all see him as a different angle. Even the writers of the four gospels. Matthew saw him as a teacher of righteousness. He saw him as a lecturer. He climbs a mountain like Moses. He gives the sermon on the mount. He teaches new laws to his disciples. Mark, on the other hand, saw him as an exorcist. <laughs> he saw him constantly battling the powers of evil. He was the strong son of God. He was turned loose in the world. And Luke saw him perhaps as a prophet. Luke saw him perhaps as a prophet. A prophet minus the shaggy hair. A prophet minus the sandwich billboard saying, repent for the world is ending. A prophet minus not a seer viewing into a crystal ball and making people nervous because he's eyeing them seriously. However, Luke says Jesus was a prophet. And his role had nothing to do with his appearance. 
According to the writers of, uh, writings of Luke, Jesus was rooted in the faith of Israel. Luke says that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. Luke also reports that Mary and Joseph dedicated the infant Jesus in the temple of Jerusalem. And at the age of 12, he celebrated Passover in Jerusalem with his family. And as an adult, he worships in the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. And when it was his turn to read the scripture, he was so well versed because he was the word. He was so well versed in the Bible that he could find his place without using a table of contents. However, Luke calling him a prophet had little to do with even his traditions, much less his look. Rather, it had to do with his sense of timing. The prophet Jesus said, today, when he walked out of the wilderness, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's striking. He could have said, yesterday the scripture was fulfilled. He could have said, tomorrow it'll be fulfilled. But he said, today. Today. The reason Luke called him a prophet was because his timing was immaculate. He could speak about a now. John reveals Jesus Christ as God. In John 1 and 18, he says, no man has no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who clothes to the Father's heart, who has made God known. It's, it is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. All the other writers tell of a sermon that begins the ministry of Jesus. But John tells about a wedding. John don't talk about a message in a synagogue. He doesn't talk about a message coming out of the wilderness. He starts the ministry of Jesus Christ at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the Bible said in John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, on the third day a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Stay with me, I'm going to preach. And, Mary, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples also had been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. Woman, what, have I, what, what do you involve me? Why do you involve me, Jesus said. My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Just, just don't bother him. Just do what he says. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons, two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet or the governor of the feast. And so they did. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants had, who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed on him. Clap your hands for the reading of the word tonight. Now, this is the reluctant performance right here. This is his reluctant performance, his first miracle. But from chapter 2, you got to with, get with me now, to chapter 11. John is saying, Jesus Christ is not an ordinary man. Amen. Amen. He's saying it. 
In chapter 2, he turned water into wine. He's not an ordinary man. In chapter 3, he told Nicodemus, you must be born again of water and of the spirit. He's not an ordinary man. He met a woman at a well and he changed her whole future when he told her about a man that, that, that she was living with that wasn't her husband. But when she met the seventh man in her life, he gave her an eight, a brand new beginning. He's not an ordinary man. The lame man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5 was healed after a long time of being bound and, and crippled. He's not an ordinary man. In John 6, he fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. He's not an ordinary man. In John 8, he forgave a woman caught in the very act of adultery. He's not an ordinary man. In John 9, he healed a man born blind, hallelujah, with a little mud and a little spittle. He's not an ordinary man. In John 11, he raised a man who was already given to corruption and brought him back to life. John is saying he's not an ordinary man. Somebody clap your hands and say, the Jesus that we worship is not an ordinary man. Woo, I feel like preaching tonight. He's not ordinary. Everybody say he's not ordinary. Say he's a real deal. Woo. So let's get the principles of the wedding. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cain of Galilee. And Jesus and his disciples are there. And they run out of wine. Mary steps up, talks to her son. He's the reluctant performer. He says, woman, what do you want? Mine hour's not yet yet. Didn't even call her Mary. She tells the servants to do whatever he asked them to do. She puts him on the spot. If that was my mama, because my mom would say, it's time for you to get up and sing. I said, I don't want to sing. Hit the key of C. He sings in C. Sing. I would sigh and say, okay, I'll sing. Fill the water pots with water. Draw out now, he said, and go bless the governor of the feast. And the governor went to the bridegroom and said, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But ye have kept the good wine until now. I want to go on record before I even start preaching. Jesus Christ didn't turn water to wine to make people happy. He turned water to wine to show who he was. And some things that we look at in our life with him, we just think that God is just giving us money because he wants to bless us with money. No, no, no. That God has given us healing because he wants to heal us. No, no, no. He wants you to understand who he is by what he does. And I'm telling you, it was the beginning of signs, John said, that Jesus was the son of God. May I preach here a little bit? I've even put it in my text. Can I preach here a little bit? First thing I want you to understand is this point. The wedding was on the third day. Now, I don't know how you view what that means, but I think the third day means it was Tuesday. Because the Sabbath in that day was, this, was on Saturday. The reason we worship on Sunday is because Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. And we don't honor one day above the other, but we worship on Sunday because we honor his resurrection. So Monday's the second day of the week, so Tuesday is the third day of the week. Now, I have a problem with the third day of my week. I have a problem with Tuesday. Let me, let me just talk to you. I have a problem with Tuesday. I hate Tuesdays. 
I despise Tuesdays. I would assume that Tuesday was the day that Jesus went to the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Tuesdays are many times terrible Tuesdays. Here's why. Sunday is Christmas. I love Sundays. It's the first day of the week. I come in here, reared up, ready to preach. Hi, 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 hi. I bite the ceiling. We have church. We clap our hands. We rejoice. We love Sundays. I'm not a preacher that despises Sundays. I love Sundays. I love my Sundays. I love my Sundays with Jesus. I love my Sundays with the church. Anytime you want to say, man, you can, because some of you love Sundays too. You show up. Don't you love Sundays? Isn't Sundays wonderful? Aren't Sundays an awesome time? We celebrate resurrection. Charles Hattie Spurgeon said a church that celebrates resurrection every Sunday is an apostolic church. It's a glory-filled church. Churches that preach the resurrection one time a year are dead churches. I'm glad we're in a live church because we celebrate Jesus Christ's resurrection every Sunday. Amen. Amen. But here's why. Sunday's like Christmas to me. I love Sundays. I really do. Mondays are rest work days. Now, that's business casual. I love Mondays. In fact, I've talked to a lot of preachers in, in the world, and they say that they believe every day will be Monday in heaven <laughs> because it's the day after Sunday. And Sundays does take a lot out of a pastor. It takes a lot out of a, a man of God. It takes a lot out. But I'm sure Mondays sometimes are not your favorite days. But Monday's one of my favorite days of the whole week. I love Mondays because I can work and I don't take a lot of calls. And Monday's just an awesome day. I love Monday. But then Tuesday are always, and it's, it's for the whole staff really, it's always usually maybe 10-hour days, sometimes 12-hour days, sometimes counseling four, five, six people on Tuesdays. Tuesdays are a tough day. It's a tough day. It's a, it's a work day. And it's a day before Wednesday, and I love Wednesday because it's word and worship, and I'm doing what I love again here tonight. And then Thursday, I come in, work till about 1 o'clock, and then Thursday afternoon is my golf time. Sorry, that offends you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You going fishing bothers me, and going hunting on Sunday bothers me, so let me just talk about my golf. I'm just teasing. But if you're going to get offended, let's go ahead and just get it out right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So, then, 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 and, and then, we go to Friday, and I love Fridays because Friday is a preparation time for Christmas. Sunday's coming. Saturday, I maturated. I'm, I can't wait. I cannot sleep on Saturday night. I'm just like a kid. I can't sleep on Saturday night. It, it bugs the fire out of me. I'll go to bed early, and I'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm ready to go. I'm like an old horse at a starting gate. I, just, I love Sundays. And I can't sleep, and I get so mad at myself. I say, go to sleep, go to sleep. And I'll lay there at 5 o'clock, and then the alarm will go off about 6, 6.15, and I say, oh, God. <laughs> but I get up, jump in the shower, and I'm feeling good because I want to get to the house of God. Amen. But I want to ask a question. Who gets married on Tuesdays? <laughs> Let's talk. I've never had anybody walk up to me and say, Pastor, Next December, how's your Tuesdays looking? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, my wife and I, my fiance, we're going to get married on Tuesday. Really? Really? On a Tuesday? Really? You're going to get married on Tuesday? Yeah, we're going to get married on Tuesday. We just think that's a cool day. It'll probably be real hip after I preach this sermon here right now. 
Why are you going to get married on Tuesday? Oh, we just like Tuesday. No, you don't. You get married on Friday. You get married on Saturday. Or you get married on Sunday afternoon. Because that's about the only time I want to do them. But I've never had anybody plan a nine-month or 12-month wedding and say, Pastor, sit to Vicky, get Pastor to see what his calendar looks like next December on Tuesday. Nobody does that. Except... People who want to get married quick. Now, don't, 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 throw, don't throw anything at me yet. It's, it's a preach. Unorganized people. I was, in my, I was in a church in Dallas years ago, and a man walked in with his fiance, and he said, it was a Tuesday. He said, preacher, how long does it take you to do weddings? I said, well, how long you, how long you want me to take? He said, quick as possible. I said, y'all been planning this a while? He said, well, we just, you know, we got engaged yesterday. And we want to get married. I said, okay. I said, how about two minutes? He said, I can do that. I said, you got $20 for two minutes? He said, I can do $20 for two minutes. I married him. He gave me $20 and he walked out. That's a Tuesday marriage. I was right here in this church. I won't tell you who it was because I'm going to protect the innocent or the guilty. They're right here in this church, and I had a couple come talk to me and said, Pastor, we want to get married. I said, how soon? They said, as soon as possible. I said, well, I said, this is Friday. They said, what are you doing Monday? I said, well, uh, I, I guess I can be here, but it's really my day off. I, I kind of work, and, you know, I don't do weddings usually on Monday. They said, well, can we be here on Tuesday? You have work doing? I said, I'll be here Tuesday. <laughs> True story. And so I, I, I'm saying, okay, okay, uh, so where are we going to have it? Where y'all want to have it? You want to have it in the auditorium? You want to have it in the, in the foyer? You want to have it? Where you want to have it? Well, we'll have it right here in the office. I said, well, how many is going to show up? Oh, about five. And my parents and parents. And I said, okay, good. We'll just have it here in the office. We'll make it intimate. It'll be nice. Tuesday came. There were 70 showed up. <laughs> now, they didn't show up all on time, but they showed up. Now, if I was planning that wedding, and I was expecting five, and I made five sandwiches, And 70 showed up, I need Jesus to come do his thing in John 6. You know what I'm saying? But the problem is, is that people that get married on Tuesday really don't plan a lot. I had a better one than that. I had a couple in my office one day, and I said, when y'all want to get married? They said, well, when are you available? I said, right now. They said, Okay. I said, now? They said, now. I said, right now? Right now? They said, right now. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> Nobody gets married on Tuesday that plans it out a long way. People get married on Tuesday that's just doing it right now. Are you following me? So now do you have any problem understanding why they ran out of wine? They probably ran out of... All kinds of hors d'oeuvres and corned beef, hash, and everything. They run out of everything because people that get married on Tuesday, if you got married on Tuesday, I'm sorry, but people that get married on Tuesday just don't really plan a lot. They just get married. Maybe they're going to Afghanistan and Tuesday's the only day and they're going on Wednesday. I don't know, but people that get married on Tuesdays really don't have long-term plans. Hello? I'm losing you, aren't I? But... 
The thing that I want to share with you here tonight is this. People don't write a lot of songs even about Tuesday. They write songs about Monday. The, Peter, Paul, and Mary sung Monday, Monday. Karen Carpenter sung rainy days and Mondays always get me down. People don't, they don't write songs about Tuesday. They write songs about Friday. It's Friday. My wife wrote that song, the last day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how she got the kids out of bed on Friday. It's Friday, the last day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody writes a song about Tuesday. Read a book one time about Tuesdays with Maury. But the second point I want to bring to you is simply this. That unorganized Tuesday run out of wine, run out of food wedding, did something powerful. Jesus was invited into the mix. Sometimes we get to thinking because we're not organized, because we're not, don't have it together, because we don't put the salt and shaker paper, pepper shaker just right because we don't set our table just right because we're not organized enough that God won't mess with us. I'm telling you, God can walk right into your unorganization. He can walk right into it. You know, folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you now. And, and, and this, this, this might hurt my feelings a little bit, but I'm not the most organized person in the world. I'm really not. I got a wife that is. And I'll say to her, honey, where's my keys? Well, they're, they're where you left them, baby. They're over there on that dresser. Oh, I forgot. I thought I left them here. Yeah. Baby, you know where my billfold is? Yeah, the last time I saw it is in there on the table. Where are my glasses? <laughs> Thank God for a wife that don't run out on me because I can't find my glasses, my wallet, and my watch. Thank God. I know where the church is. We live five years in St. Louis. We live five years in St. Louis. I'm preaching tonight now, right? We live five years in St. Louis. I knew where three things was, the church, the airport, and headquarters office. My wife knew where every street in St. Louis. She knew everything. She'd drive, just drive until she just got lost, and she'd just retreat and go the other way. She's the most directionally blessed woman in the world, and I'm the most directionally challenged person that ever was married to a directionally controlled woman like her. I am just absolutely a mess when it comes to direction. I don't even know what direction it is right there right now. But I know it's out there somewhere. Hallelujah. But Jesus got invited into the mix. I guarantee you it was a family affair. I'm going to go on record. I'm going to go on record that one of Jesus' kinfolk said, we need to have a wedding. I need to get this wedding going. We need to do it on Tuesday. And, 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 and we're going to send some invitations out. And Jesus got an invitation. Isn't it amazing how Jesus can come into a mess and make it a miracle? Isn't it amazing how Jesus can walk into chaos and bring a calm? Isn't it amazing how the Lord can walk into dysfunctionality and make it function? All you got to do is invite him. That's all you got to do is just invite him. You don't have to have it all together. You just have to invite the one that can put it together. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. He wants to come into your mess and make a miracle in your life. Woo. Hallelujah. Read about a pastor. Kind of reminds me of me. Traveled on a train, got absorbed in a book. 
And he suddenly awoke to his surroundings and discovered that he was on a train. But he had forgotten where he was going. So he got to the next station. And he sent a telegram from there to his wife. And the telegram said, I'm here. Where ought I to be? The reply came back from his wife, look at your ticket. That's our predicament many times as Christians. We've not only forgotten where we're going, many of us have forgotten we got a ticket. I want to preach to you tonight that it don't matter how dysfunctional and how unplanned and how sad and sorrowful your life has been. If you invite one person to your family party, you need to invite Jesus Christ. You need to bring him into your house. Because I promise you, he can fix the chaos. The Bible said the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep. Hallelujah. And chaos came to calm. And there was light. And God allowed himself to be shown. Here's what I want to tell you. God can fix anything. God can fix anything. He can repair anything in your life. Woo, hallelujah. He turned the water into wine. Everybody said he turns it into the best wine. Now the party can keep going. Now everybody's happy. But that's not why Jesus performed that miracle. Jesus turned the water into wine so his disciples would know he had power from God. That he wasn't just an ordinary man. His miracles were meant to make everybody happy. They were, they were not meant to make everybody happy. They were meant to show God's glory and God's power and his dominion and his grace. There's a beautiful story in Reader's Digest a few months ago of a couple from Stockholm, Sweden. Their name was Stefan and Erica. Maybe you read it. They went on a four-month honeymoon back in December of 2010. And it was an exciting four-month honeymoon, except that these honeymooners encountered six natural disasters on this, their first trip together in a four-month journey. In Munich, Germany, they were caught in one of Europe's worst blizzards ever. And then they flew to Australia where they weathered a cyclone were evacuated and spent 24 hours on a cement floor. Later still in Australia, they were stuck in a flood and later narrowly escaped a series of brush fires. In Christchurch, New Zealand, they arrived shortly after a 6.3 magnitude earthquake had hit. Then they flew to Tokyo where they survived a horrific earthquake that hit that nation a couple of years back. Somehow, they returned to Stockholm with their lives and their marriage still intact. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a lot of things that's going to happen on Tuesday. There's a lot of things that don't go right on Tuesday. It's a long way from Sunday on Tuesday. It's a long way from where you want to be on Tuesday. It's the day after Monday. Most of us will never have bad luck quite that long, or maybe we will. Life can be cruel. But here's the good news, and here's what I want to preach. God does Tuesdays. God does Tuesdays. I want you to say it as loud as you can say it. God does Tuesdays. Say it again. God does Tuesdays. Say it again. God does Tuesdays. 
I want that to be your phrase all next year. That no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, no matter what the situation is, if God will show up to a wedding that's dis- miscalculated and dysfunctional and runs out of good stuff, there is a God that will show up at my house on any day of the week. He'll be there for me because God still does Tuesday. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? The Bible said that when the governor of the feast had tasted it, he went to the bridegroom and he said, some people, most people, serve the best wine or the good wine. And then when people are drunk and when they've drunken, then they serve the less part. But you, have saved the best wine for now. Don't say he saved the best wine for last. He didn't say that. He said he saved the best wine for now. Now. Now, I want to preach to you right now. Jesus Christ, the reluctant performer, performed the first miracle for one reason. He wanted you to understand that on the third day, in a disorganized Affair that ran out of everything good that made a wedding a wedding. He still showed up and he turned water into wine. And he wanted them to know that if I can show up on the third day and I can give you something on the third day, there is something you got to get a hold of and follow me the rest of your life because you hadn't seen anything yet. I can provide for you on the third day. I can bless you on a Tuesday. I can bless you on a Wednesday. I can bless you on a Thursday. I can bless you on a Friday. I can bless you on a Saturday. I can bless you on a Monday. I am not a God contained into a day. I'm a God that's available anytime. I can do it for you. Here's the problem with this word called hope. You ready? Here's the problem. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But here's the problem with with hope, and here's the problem with our faith. We have faith for every part of our life except now. And Jesus Christ is saying, today, the scripture is fulfilled in in your eyes. Today, I'm fulfilling this scripture. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. Every time you talk about Jesus in the New Testament, it's a today time. It's right now. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's right now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed hour. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll real rejoice and be glad. He wants to get you in the now. Not the hereafter, but in the now. And so he went to the first miracle and provided wine for them simply because. He wanted to get them in a now, in a right now, that it doesn't matter. If you run out of stuff, if your life is vacant, if your life is void, I'm going to give you a now, right now. You know, if you'll read read Genesis, you'll find that the third day, the third day in creation, he planted the herb-bearing seeds, which meant that he planted stuff in the ground that would, that would spring up. And so the Lord wants you to know on this Tuesday, Wednesday night, that he wants to plant something in you on the third day. He wants to plant something in you that says, I'm here on Tuesday. 
I'm for you. I will be there for you in any situation you're in because God does Tuesdays. Now, now listen to me. Now listen to me. Here is the scenario. He walks into a city called Bethany. And there's, a, there's two sisters there that's lost a brother. His name is Lazarus and he's been dead four days. Now I want you to see this. I want you to see how powerful this is. Martha walks out to him and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. Okay. Did she have some faith? Yeah, she had faith. She had faith in yesterday. If you'd have been here, you wouldn't have died. Lord, I know that in the last day, he will be raised up. Did she have faith in the future? Yes, sir. But Jesus said, I am. How is it that we can believe in yesterday? Have you ever talked to people and say, tell me a little bit of your story. And they'll always go back to the same time because there's, everybody's got in their mind when they were happiest in their life. My mother, when you'd say, mama, tell me about your life, she'd go back to her singing career. She'd go back to when she was at WLS in Chicago and KOA in Denver. Mama always went back at the same time. And I asked her one time, mama, why do you always go back to the same thing? She said, because that was some of the happiest days of my life. And if you live back there forever, you can never have a now moment with God. And if all you're doing is aiming toward the resurrection, you can't have a now moment with God. If you're waiting for the rapture, you can't have a now moment. What God was saying to the people in John chapter 2 is, hey, I know that the resurrection's coming, and I know that the past is there, but what I'm trying to do is let you know I do Tuesdays too. I'm here for you right now. I'm here to be your help right now. I'm here to bless you right now. I'm here to touch you right now. And the performance of a Tuesday miracle at Cana of Galilee was something that God Almighty only could orchestrate. She said, I know he'll rise on that day. So we have faith then, we have faith then, but not now. And that's God's proposition. That's where he's trying to get us. Can you believe that today, God can do something mighty for your family. Do you believe that today God can give you a better paying job? Do you believe that today God can touch you with healing power? Do you believe that today you can be filled with the baptism of the Spirit? Do you believe that today that God can deliver your kids from drugs and alcohol? Do you believe that today God can do anything? Do you believe that today God can touch your life and turn your heart around? Do you believe that today God can fix your family? Do you believe today God can make it happen? God wants you to understand he does Tuesdays. He does Tuesdays. He really does. He does Tuesdays. Woo, hallelujah. Everybody say, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. Today. Today, third day, Tuesday. Wow, wow, wow. You know, there's an old dance called the Metanoia. I don't know if you've ever done the Metanoia. It goes with the Macarena. Anybody want to do the Macarena for me? Stand up, come on. We got a Macarena? Got a Macarena? Anybody? 
All right, come on. There you go. There you go. There you go. Look at there. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it one more time. Macarena. 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 Ooh, Macarena. Thank you. Now, when you get through doing that dance, woo, you feeling the Holy Ghost back there, Mama? When you get through doing that dance, then there's, there's a metanoia. You know what a metanoia is? A metanoia is when you're doing the Macarena in this position. A metanoia means you jump and you change directions. You can sometimes jump 90 degrees. You can jump 180 degrees. You can jump 270. But what it is, is you do the dance a different way. I've preached to you all year long that you're favored people. I've preached to you all year long that it's a year of promotion. And some of you have just done the Macarena with me. But you've never changed your posture. You've never turned to another direction. You've never said, he's changed me with the word of God. I want you to do a metanoia. I want you to understand that you can leave here saying, I believe that God does Tuesdays just like he does Sundays, just like he does Wednesdays. God does Tuesdays. I'm done. Everybody say God does Tuesdays. You'll never forget that. I might not have preached a good to you. It, it was good to me, but I didn't. It'll preach someplace else. But it preached to me. Because it made me realize I need to change my outlook. I keep thinking I've got to wait till Sunday. Uh-uh. I've got to wait till next Wednesday. No, 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 no. God does Tuesdays. Man wrote a book called Tuesdays with Maury. I'd rather do Tuesdays with Jesus any day of the week. I love Tuesdays with Jesus. He was a reluctant performer because he was probably among family. And mama wanted him to sing. And he didn't feel like singing in front of family because family had doubted him a long time. But he turned water into wine to show who he was and what he was and what he could do. Even on Tuesday. So that's why he came in the book of Luke out of the wilderness. And he said, I've come to preach good news to the poor. I've come to proclaim release to the captives. Hear it. I'm going to set captives free. I've come to proclaim new sight. I'm going to make the blind see. I'm going to liberate the oppressed. I'm going to proclaim the year of God's favor. And he said, it's this day. Not tomorrow, Martha. Not yesterday. It's this day. It's today. It's today. So when you run into stumps on Thursday, look up and say, Lord, the pastor said you do Tuesdays. I need a Thursday. When you run into a little stump sometime on Monday, say, if God does Tuesdays, he's got to do Mondays. What I'm telling you is even though he was reluctant to step up for his mom's sake, he was only showing, it don't matter what day it is, I'm God. And I can do any day of the week. Thank you. 
And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.